I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there and welcome to another Irish Examiner Paper Talk. We're looking back on a busy weekend of Allianz National Football League action. Delighted to welcome former Dublin star and Irish Examiner columnist Tomás Quinn to the uh, show. And uh, Tomás, only one place for us to start this morning and that was uh, Austin Stack Park, Tralee, Saturday evening. Uh, We were expecting an epic. We got that. Uh, Pretty rough and ready though. It sure was, yeah. No, there was no holding back, and it was it kind of had a feel of sometimes when you, you you get to the kind of rivalry stage that these teams are at, and how well they know each other, and how big these games are. And you know, you can obviously the Dublin's unbeaten run, the fact that Kerry haven't beaten them in a while. You could there was certainly a sense that Kerry were out to prove a point, and you know the the physical stakes were certainly up from from the very start. Who would have been the happier manager after the seventy plus minutes? I think it has to be Jim Gavin. I think when you're two points down and the, the clock's ticking into the red near the end, and you're two, you know, the fact that his team and that the players stayed so patient, and you know, uh, they didn't go hunting a goal. Like when Dunica Walsh kicks them to, go, to kick, carry two points clear, you've got to think that well, Dublin's going to need a goal here to get any kind of result, and they didn't. They trusted that they were going to get two another two or three possessions, and that they're, they're they were efficient enough to score. And I know they had a bit of force with Paul Murphy's misplaced pass to allow them to get in and create the, the equalising score but they showed huge composure and it's just a, like it's a there's nearly a stubbornness a refusal to get beaten there in that Dublin side at the moment and that's Sean True so I think Jim Gavin would have finished the happier but certainly an opportunity missed for Kerry Yeah but certainly a case though Eamon Fitzmaurice has, has learned quite a lot about his team his up and coming players and as well maybe another chink possibly in the Dublin armour Yeah absolutely and I think from Fitzmaurice's point of view you from from my perspective, it looked like they, they like this Dublin side. It's who makes them tick, and you know this Dublin team is evolving. And you're now looking at the Brian Fenton and Kieran Kilkenny. And if you look at the the way Kerry matched up with them at the weekend, Ty Morley went very close to Kilkenny, no matter where he went. And then same side of things, Jack Barry on on Fenton. And it was it was they were interesting matchups. They were obviously sent out with with jobs. Look, it's Morris and his, his management team be looking at that if they came again during the summer, could these guys do that and, and continue to do it? And I think it was effective, and it was certainly something Dublin will have to look at then you know if they're if they do meet down the line now obviously though if Kerry had taken some of their goal chances Paul Ganey in particular Kerry could have been out at sight at half time they could have yeah and I suppose the, the way the game went it was like there was different stages where it was very much it wasn't so much tit for tat it was like one team would have a period of 10 or 15 minutes dominance and then the other team would come back and do the same was, I think there was one stage Kerry had four and answered points Dublin at six but certainly the Kerry goal chances you get the feeling like Stephen Cluxon made a brilliant save from Paul Ganey and you know if, if one of those goal chances were finished it would have given them a, a nice cushion you know particularly going into the second half with the win to come now, in terms of some of the incidents off the ball, some of the cynical play, do you think it's it's strange, Tomás, the way when it's Kerry-Dublin, it's hard-hitting, whereas if that was two Ulster teams, we'd be calling it cynical? 
Yeah, certainly there's, there's that. Uh, I think there is that bit of comment out there, and you'd hear that from, particularly from the Ulster community. The Ulster, the Ulster clubs or counties would feel that they'd feel exactly like I know there was a bit of bit of the same going on up in Donegal and Tyrone on, on Saturday night as well, and is it viewed as the same? And, and it, it's one of these things where players now are so smart they know they can't raise their fist to hand level, they can't throw, they can't throw a, a slap or anything like that. So it's very much you see so many torn jerseys, you see so many guys just grabbing each other, and you know. It, it's more just uh, it's hard for a referee to deal with he can come in and show two yellows and move on but when it's going on off the ball and off the, which was happening the other night it, you know it, it can be unsightly at times and I just think it's more to do with the, the, the competitiveness between these two teams and it is the, the, the rivalry that they do have at the moment uh, Everyone is talking about the record uh, without defeat except Jim Gavin and the Dublin players is it something that they're very conscious of or is it to use the old cliche game by game? Yeah, they're definitely not very conscious of it, but there's no doubt they're aware of it. In my opinion, you, you couldn't not be like as in they know they'd be aware that they haven't been beaten. They don't want to get beaten. So if 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 they, you often hear Jim talking about process and game by game, and if by sticking to their process and winning game by game they start winning trophies and they start getting records that, that's the, what comes with it And but they'll certainly be aware Like and they wouldn't have wanted I know coming into certainly when they were playing Mayo in Crow Park a couple of weeks ago there was a feeling to build up the game Mayo were coming down with a point to prove and Mayo were going to be the team to take the record and Dublin's performance that night showed that they weren't willing to let that happen and again they dug in on Saturday night so there's a there's certainly a you know I said it already a stubbornness within that Dublin team now that I think they like the fact that the you know teams are coming down and there's an even bigger target on their back if that was possible now which is added extra and they're enjoying the challenge of it. Okay, you mentioned Mayo there. Hard to believe six months ago in an All-Ireland final and an All-Ireland final replay with Dublin and all that that entailed and defeated in Castlebar by Cavan on Sunday. What, what's gone wrong? Yeah, they looked, they looked a bit at sea on, on, on Sunday, you know, and it was very much, again, you would have expected a reaction on the back of what happened in Crow Park two weeks previous. And I know that night in Crow Park, I was very disappointed with them from an attacking perspective. No forward, no, no male forward scored from play that night. And again, the second half on, on, on yesterday, on Sunday, they, you know, they looked very limitless, very limited up front. There was um, there was no real cohesion. It was very much they'd carry the ball up into the 45. Now Cavan were getting a lot of bodies back, and then it was very much the individuals like whoever the ball carrier was either took a pot shot or shifted off to someone else in the standing position. There didn't seem to be any structural front or any attacking game plan, and that would have been you would have expected in the two weeks after Dublin game. This would have been one of the focuses for them. So it's certainly something that Stephen Rochford and, and the Mayo lads now. They were in a similar position in the league last year. They'd only won. They'd only think they'd only two points at this stage of the league last year, and they turned it around. Come championship, to have a good run to get to the final. So they'd be hopeful they can do that again. But I think like they've two tough games to finish the league out now, and Cavan still have us common to play. And if Cavan pick up two points there, they might be. You know, they might get dragged into something where they where they don't want to be. You know. Okay, we'll uh, talk very quickly about uh, Donegal Tyrone. Uh, Tyrone had, of course. Fantastic form coming into the game up in uh, Ballybuffet, I think it was. But uh, Donegal's record up there is a very proud one and a uh, bit of an upset in terms of the bookmakers there. It was, and it was, and it wasn't particularly close either. It was a, it was a comprehensive victory for Donegal. They were, they were full value for it, and, and some of their younger guys coming through, and like there's a lot be made of the, the number of turnover players in the last 
probably last six months from Donegal. There's been so many of their experienced guys have left the squad. And um, in fairness, the, the Donegal management have brought new players in, and the likes of Karen Thompson coming in kicked three excellent points in midfield. And you know, you can really see they've had good minor and 21 teams, and they're integrating them. And I think one of the key things for me is the the fact that they're used to playing like the. the Donegal have a great uh, continuity up there in the sense that their minors and their 21s play a similar system to what their seniors play. So when you have these 18 and 19 year olds coming in, they're not being asked to do something different. They're used to playing their roles. They know what's expected of them. And you can see that. And that's probably made the transition for some of them a bit quicker. Uh, finally, Tomás, we were, as you said, writing off Donegal in some quarters with the players leaving. A lot of people possibly writing Monaghan off after the way their championship petered out last year and the likes of Dick Clerken retiring, but uh, definitely showed good form against that Roscommon and they're not a spin force by any manner of means. They're not, no, and they're sitting on seven points now and, and they actually have they play Donegal next week and what could effectively nearly be a league semi-final. If either one of them get to nine points, you might think that could be enough for them to get to a league final. So, you know, they'd be very happy with their form. That's common, they're struggling at the moment, but it was a, again, it was another good good team performance from, from Man and you can see they're they've, they're introducing more and more younger guys in like that to, to you know, the fact that Dick Lurkin's gone and Paul Finley and a few other of the more experienced heads and Malachi O'Rourke has done an excellent job up there, you know, he's really every year you you feel like they're they're maximizing their maximizing their ability and, you know, a chance to get to a league final again this year in Division One. Thanks to Tomás Quinn for his thoughts on the action in Allianz League Division 1. We're going to turn our attention to Division 2 now. And the big talking point from the weekend was Cox clash with Meath and the fact that the uh, Rebels, well, seemed to be home and hosed at one stage, leading 15 points to 6, but uh, emerged, luckily, with a draw in the end. Uh, Owen Cormacan of the Irish Examiner was there for us. And uh, Owen... The old cliche, a game of two halves? A very bizarre game, uh, absolutely. Cork had the wind in the first half and, and could really do no wrong in that first half. Went up, or went in even, 12-5 ahead of the break. Had two goal chances, seven wides. Really could have the, the game closed out at half time. And even the start of the second half, you know, kicked two points. And Cork were motoring very well. The confidence and the self-belief that had been talked about in the lead-up to the game didn't seem to be a problem. But then all of a sudden, Meath got a run on Cork and the legs just seemed to go from underneath Cork. They wobbled, they crumbled and for 15 minutes, they just weren't in this game. And at the end, very lucky to take a point out of it, which is bizarre when you're nine up with 25 minutes to go and everything is on your side. Now you say the legs, but how much of it is the heads? Oh, the legs in the sense that, you know, they just... They collapsed in a sense, but yes, it, it all comes back to the head. And Andy McEntee said afterwards that you know this is a team you know that is somewhat brittle at the moment, is somewhat fragile, um, and he's right on the money there. That you know they just they didn't know what to do when the game went against them, when the tide went against them, and this is a recurring theme now in the league for Cork that when things go against them, they just seem to lie down, and leadership was once again questioned because. There was no one really standing up um, to the to the me the tax for that 15 minutes, which is very worrying because you're five games into the league. And as I said, this is a recurring theme for this Cork side. Uh, and is it a, a, a tactical issue, on in the way that they're lined up? Or as you said, is it just a simple case of certain players like... Back in the day, you'd have a, a Graham Canty as an example who would stand up if things were going against Cork and pull them kicking and screaming back into a game. Uh, you know, do you think it's 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 the it's the setup or the personnel? 
I think it's a small bit of both. Personnel, you know, there are good footballers on that team, but I suppose, you know, being a good footballer and then being a leader when things go against you are two different things and there doesn't seem to be too many of, of those sorts of a Graham Canty figure on this on this team at present. And, you know, you wouldn't mind if, if Meath got a small bit of a run on them, kicked three or four points, and then Cork came back at the game. But it's just the fact that for 15 minutes, they offered absolutely no resistance. I was looking there at the, the match stats this morning. You know, Meath kicked 1-6 without reply during that 15 minutes. They also had another four chances. Cork had one scoring chance in that 15-minute uh, spell. So that's 11 chances to one during 15 minutes of football, which shows you the extent to which Meath were on top, which shows you the extent to which Cork just offered absolutely no resistance. And I said it's, it's worrying from a Cork point of view. Now, in terms of you, Owen, you've seen the Cork footballers quite a lot over this spring campaign. Are there any positives? Um, absolutely. I think yesterday there were changes made in attack. We had Cullum O'Neill in corner forward and, and Peter Kelleher on the edge of the square. That seems to be a very potent inside line. Um, Cullum kicked six points in the first half and fed a lot off Peter. Mark, Mark Collins at centre forward, um, a nice anchor to that attack. Paul Kerrigan in the corner. Um, so there are positives. Midfield, you know, you've Rory Dean is going well and Ian Maguire is going well. But, you know, when, when things are going well for Cork, these players are playing very well. But, you know, there just aren't enough players standing up to the cause when things go against them. And that's when Cork are going to run into trouble in the summer against the bigger teams. You know, against a Tipperary in a Munster semi-final if they get over Tipperary in a Kerry. As I said, when things are going well for this Cork team, they play lovely football. There's structure. There's purpose. There's intent. But when things go wrong, they clueless they just they don't know what to do or how to get themselves out of a rough patch of course another blow for Paterhealy and for the management now it seems Brian Hurley gone for the rest of the season Brian is gone for the rest of the year Pather confirmed that yesterday um, speaking to Owen O'Neill on Thursday he confirmed that Brian was was gone for the remainder of the league but they were still waiting on scan results at that stage but it appears that Brian for the second time um, in under a year has, has torn the hamstring off the bone which is massively frustrating for Brian and for the Cork team. You know, he did the initial injury last July and only came back last week. So that's a, an eight, nine-month period. And now he's facing into a second eight, nine-month period, which is difficult for Brian, obviously, because, you know, football football is huge for him, but it, it also removes uh, a corner forward um, and lessens the options that this Cork management have in attack. Okay, final question, Owen. Is it too soon to be saying... The dreaded words of the drop and Division 3? Well, it's definitely a possibility. Pather accepted as much yesterday. Um, the table shows that they're on four points and just above the drop zone by virtue of scoring difference. They have a massive game ahead of them on Sunday. They have to go up to Derry. I, I think the last time they went up to Derry, they didn't get a victory. But I think by that stage, you know, they were safe enough in Division 1 in terms of progressing to the knockout stages. But the scene has changed dramatically now. Derry are a point below them on three points and likewise are playing for their survival. So that's not an easy task. And Down are similarly in that zone and they're coming to Porky in the week after. So you don't want to be counting on that game to, to get you survival. There's, there's five teams there in a cluster. And unless Cork get two points this weekend, they're in big trouble going into the final weekend. Um, and, you know... Two successive relegations wouldn't be good for, for Cork football. In my own opinion, I don't think they'll get relegated. But by the same token, I'm not sure where the points are going to come from because with this Cork team, we just don't know what to expect. 
And our thanks to Owen Cormack and, and to Tomas Quinn for joining us on the programme this week. Now, don't forget you can check us out on iTunes, on SoundCloud and on irishexaminer.com forward slash paper talk. That's it for this week's programme. We're back again uh, next Monday and we'll have a very busy programme because it's a double weekend in the Allianz League. Hopefully we'll have your company once more for that. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.